Welcome to Light Treason News, everyone. Pop culture, politics, and a sprinkle of treason. Ha ha, that's very apt given the news this week. Hi, Meredith. Hi, Allison. How are you? Good. I sometimes forget that the name of the show is Light Treason News. And the I guess like one of the big news items, if not the big news item this week, was that, listen, former President Trump committed treason. Okay? Allegedly. Allegedly. Yeah. And so everybody started sending me that Arrested Development meme of, you know, the dad in prison saying I might have committed some light treason, which is what the name of the show is based on. Um, Yes, of course. Fair use. You can't sue me. Um, But I was like, why is everybody sending that? And I was like, oh, right, because um, some light treason was done. Some heavy treason, allegedly. Yeah, it seems like there could be some some fairly like medium to heavy treason. Yeah, considering the fact that the FBI is now dusting the documents for fingerprints because they want to know every single person who touched them, I would say it's pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Seems yeah, pretty and, serious. And now there's all of these, you know, throwbacks to uh, members of NATO being really concerned that Trump would sell nuclear secrets to people or trade them for something. And then, you know, you've got the $2 billion deal with Saudi Arabia that Jared Kushner landed. And I know, I think there's there, it seems like there are, there are some legitimate questions about what he might've been doing with these things. And uh, yeah, I'll be interested to see what happens, but me too. uh, Yeah. yeah. I, I just like the idea that he was so mad that he didn't get elected again, that he was like, all right, I'm going to give all our nuclear secrets to our enemies and make some money because I hate this country. And people are still like, But he said, make America great again. He loves this country. It's like, no, he, um, if he doesn't perceive himself to be winning, he'll do everything in his power to quote unquote win. And yeah, yeah. he's well, a and- narcissist. He has no allegiances anywhere. Yeah. Well, and we could all tell like pretty much right away that there was going to, that he was going to use his office to enrich himself. So does it surprise us that he just exactly. did it this way? And like, in addition to all of the other ways that he did 100%, it? 100%, 100%. On his way out, he was like, I want to make extra scratch. Oh, I have um, classified secrets. Great. I'll sell those to the highest bidder. Yeah, he's just, a, he's a complete fucking con man. Yeah, um, it's like, oh shit, this stuff is like, it, it's the, it's like a terrifying, it's not really equivalent, but it, it does remind me of, it's like when people steal the silver on their way out. <laughs> yeah, basically, that was that version. Yeah. Yeah, except this time with like world annihilating. No, we uh, could all die. Is that data. why? We, yeah. Is that why they started doing the nuclear drills for New York? And oh my god, maybe. Jersey? Jesus Christ. Yeah, because like maybe they're like they don't know if he gave it to anybody, and he's like, well, yeah, shit. <laughs> Yep, that's Wish what I it had is. They're put like that together in real time. Uh, fuck. All right, we're all fine. We're all fine, everybody. Um, so before we go any further, I wanted to mention that there's a bonus episode of Light Trees and News up at my Patreon right now, Patreon.com/slash Allison Kilkenny with the great Mr. Charles Rockhill, in which we recorded an episode probably for five of my listeners, which is. Are you really into conspiracy theories and a fan of Real Housewives? 
Well, we combine the two into a bonus episode about Real Housewives conspiracy theories. So if you're a Bravo fan, hop on over to my Patreon for as little as $5 a month. You'll get bonus content. That's kind of like all over the map, guys. At this point, it's pretty much like whatever I want to do. Uh, and we, I think that's what people are here for. That's you, what I'm here for. You've bought into the Kilkenny brand because you are a broken, lost individual. And I say, come here. Come here. It'll be all right. And I pat you on the head. And we talk about dumb shit for an hour. And you get to forget about um the fact that we have to run nuclear drills now because uh, the former president is a traitor. So before we get to you pop culture stuff, um, I wanted to laugh about Alex Jones. If we and I'm so <laughs> glad that we can do that. Like listeners, who's feeling kind of happy? Like the sweet, glorious scent of Schadenfreude just wafting everywhere, all the way up from Texas. Uh, you know how like legal experts will always say there's never really a Perry Mason moment in real life mm-hmm. where someone is like said the following but i have this key piece of evidence and somebody falls apart on the stand like those moments don't happen those moments were like the entirety of the alex jones <laughs> libel trial where you know he was um facing charges because he was a fucking monster and told his millions of listeners that the Sandy Hook um, massacre was a false flag operation. Those parents were then um, terrorized on top of having lost their children, which is like the worst thing that can happen to a parent. Um, Then people were accusing them of being liars and like actors (laughs) working on behalf of the state. Um, So Alex Jones did all of that terrible shit. So he was being sued. um, And Part of the, I guess, questioning by the uh, the lawyers had to do with his emails and his text messages. And at one point it came to light that he had committed perjury. And the reason the attorneys knew he had committed perjury is because Alex Jones's own lawyer accidentally, I guess, forwarded Alex Jones's emails to well it was it was a clone of his entire cell right, phone right right so they had, it like, had all of the years worth of text messages and emails yeah right <laughs> and so of course the attorneys go through this and see that alex jones had been lying and they have that moment like you can go watch it right now it's an amazing clip i really really recommend it where the lawyer calls him out in real time and he's like do you know how i have this information and Alex Jones is just like, no, I have no idea. And he goes, your lawyer sent it to me, you complete fucking idiot. He doesn't say it like that. <laughs> but that's the subtext of the moment. And it is so deeply satisfying to see Alex Jones just get fucked in real time. Oh, and it it's like you, it's, it's like when, it's when you see it like a tween boy, like when you're thinking about like middle school boys being little shits and like lying their faces off about like basically who broke the window. And then you're like, I know it was you. And the face <laughs> they make, this yes. just like, I can't, there is literally nothing I can say. I have no, and they're just like, well, I guess, yeah. Right. They can't okay. even come up with another lie to like get them yeah. out of the first lie. They're just completely like a stuttering, stumbling mess. That's 
what Alex Jones was. And for me, it was so deeply satisfying because like, I don't call many people evil. I think he is an evil person for what he did to the, the parents of the, the Sandy Hook kids. And I'm like, like how fucking awful of a human. And I know like, you know, he's a drug addict and an alcoholic and all that stuff. But like those things aside, how fucking evil do you have to be? To because I don't believe that he actually thought it was a false flag operation. I think he knew that's what his fan base would really get worked up about. And he's like, well, this will be great for ratings, which e- makes you even more evil, you know? Like, <laughs> if well, you yeah, that's the that's the thing. It's like if it, whether he believes it or not, he clearly knew that it was going to be great for his bottom line, right? And that he was going to be able to sell more of his supplements and he was going to get more <laughs> listeners by pulling, you know, bringing himself on board with these people. And there, you know, also during the trial, there has been a ton of evidence put forward that he was aware that some of the people like members of his own team, like production team were raising alarm bells about some of the people he was having on to discuss these conspiracy theories. And they completely ignored it. Right. Yeah. So you guys see, I, I told you to to calm everybody down before I was like, we will talk about news when we really, really feel like we have something to say or we want to laugh at one of our political enemies. And Alex Jones is an enemy and he um he's going down in flames in real time. And it's it's a nice little balance with the fact um that Trump is a traitor. You know, I feel like those two right now are really like duking it out in my brain at any given moment for like what I want to think about, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Um, Well, I was, I also want to add one of the things that came out in like related to the phone stuff, which Mm. is also fascinating and horrifying. Um, Apparently he had sent like a nude photo of his then wife to Roger Stone. Oh my God. Uh, So there it's possible that like, depending and, and I know that his ex-wife has been tweeting about how she plans on getting copies of the phone because it may have an impact on negotiating their very contentious, like renegotiating elements of their settlement slash like finding shit out. Uh, but he could, I mean, he might've done revenge porn. He almost certainly. Right. Did revenge yeah. Porn. I mean, say, like that tracks with everything else we know about him as a human being, like would not surprise me in the slightest. I, Listen, I know his wife is a collaborator and really like only turned on him at the last hour and is now suing or, you know, trying to get a lot of money from him. But having said that, uh, it is so deeply funny to me how much she hates him. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> now she really like, even if at one time she did love him, which like I can't even imagine, but, you know, maybe she did. The fact that she has now turned so aggressively against him, I'm like, you know what? Not that all is forgiven, but I'm like, you can hang if if you're just going to continue to bring this guy down. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is a real enemy of my enemy is my right, right. vaguely tolerated acquaintance. Person in the room. Kind of yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're my vaguely tolerated person in the room that we haven't asked to leave yet because you might have something juicy to say. <laughs> Precisely. Yeah. Um, and then final thing I wanted to talk about before we get to pop culture stuff, Ezra Miller, we got to talk about Ezra Miller because we are constantly and vigilantly on, uh, Miller watch, Ezra Miller watch, Ezra yeah. Miller watch on this show. So 
the update, the like the kind of juicy update that I wanted to talk about is this. I I guess it's it a new thing we didn't know about before, but so Ezra Miller has been um on the lam <laughs> more or less for like several months at least they they have been perpetrating a reign of terror across many islands and uh rural areas it seems yeah so two facts that came to light that at least i didn't know about were one ezra miller was running what is essentially being called a flop house in iceland in which they owned a a home in Iceland and they were allowing vulnerable people to live with them. By vulnerable people, I mean like drug addicts, alcoholics, people who had really fallen on hard times. Ezra Miller was like, come live with me, which may seem kind (laughs) on the surface. But then what we learned is that they would then be extremely abusive towards these people, perhaps because they knew they were vulnerable. So extreme cult vibes from all of this um and then you know not obviously now he is living with this woman and her children in vermont and the worrisome thing that happened there was they had been posting on social media like really disturbing um images like uh you know children near firearms that were just like laying around in ezra's home there was one photo of a like a one-year-old with a bullet in their mouth um like really really horrible shit but the worst, worrisome thing that happened, I should say, even more worrying than all of that, is there was a social worker who was trying to get in touch with the mom um, to see how she was doing, to see how her children were doing. And Ezra basically said, um, they're not here. So we don't know where they are. We've seen photos of them, like, hanging out with Ezra at their home. So at one time they were there, you know, they might still be... Um, housing them and just lying to the authorities but it's it's worrisome that we don't know where they are <laughs> essentially yeah, it is quite concerning and you know you add in the fact that now they've been charged with felony burglary for breaking into a house in Vermont to steal liquor it's such a strange story but the the thing that came out recently that I was like ooh that's kind of juicy and I'm wondering what Warner Brothers is going to do with this flash film that's supposed to come out So Ezra has been on the lam for a while and it came Mm -hmm. to light that between court appearances, they went back to the flash set and like did some pickups and like the studio knew what was going on and the studio let them come back on set and, and film some, I guess like, you know, pickup scenes that they needed to do or maybe some photography for promotion and then let them go again. And so, like, now Warner Brothers is implicated in all of this. <laughs> so it's like, you have this film that's, like, dead on arrival that they keep saying that they're going to put out. But I'm like, I don't know how you put this film out now. Because Ezra I, yeah. certainly can't do any press, right? That's just, like, no. absolutely not. What are you going to do? You're just going to put this film out and not do any fucking press for it? Like, it's so strange that they keep... I guess they have to because they spent so much money on it. They can't say... And obviously, this is dead because they're trying to sell this merger with Discovery Plus, which is, like, you know, a, a mess in and of itself. But, like, understandably, a lot of people are really pissed off because they just made this announcement that they're canning Batgirl, which was already finished... It had finished post-production. It was done. And they said, it's dead. So that doesn't even get a chance. Meanwhile, it is. Yeah. 
right. two hundred million dollars in on the Flash, and they're like, I don't know. I mean. He hasn't killed anyone yet, so we should probably just keep going. Right. Like, what do they have to do? And, you know, even like hardcore, hardcore fanboys at this point, whenever I see any tweet about The Flash that's really popped off and there's a lot of comments, a lot of the fanboys are like, I don't want to see this. (laughs) Like, why is this still coming out after everything they've done? You know, like... How are they going to excuse this? And I really think maybe just because the merger was happening, they didn't want to say we're canning it. Mm-hmm. But Jesus Christ, like if they put this thing out, I'm like, oh, this is going to be such a fucking mess. Well, and of course, now things have finally gotten to the point where there are these stories where they have people who are Hollywood crisis managers, lawyers, people with experience in the studio system, like running through these different scenarios And the best case scenario for Warner Brothers and for the movie, and this is fucking hilarious, is they get him into treatment basically immediately. And he stays there long enough to be able to convincingly sell the narrative of like, I'm growing and changing and I've like, I made a bunch of mistakes and then do limited press for the movie. And I'm like, nothing about the last two years suggests for a second that they have any interest in accountability for what they've done or for changing behavior. Yeah. And like, that is so, I, I feel like that is playbook 101 with what you do with a disgraced actor. I mean, they did that with Army Hammer before Death on the Nile. You know, he went to rehab. He started, quote unquote, dating an oral hygienist that we never saw again after the premiere. Um, And they just tried to make him seem like repentant and extremely normal when he is neither of those things. And now they're doing the exact same thing with Ezra, except, as you said, Ezra has no interest into even like pretending that they're on the path to redemption. And also I feel like that playbook in the year of our Lord, 2022, you just can't sell it to people the same way. Like you can feel 300 million people roll their eyes at the same time when they say an actor's going into rehab after they've been a fucking terror, you know, where it's like, of course, I mean like, you know, with, Drug addiction and alcoholism aside, because like those are very real things that people need to go to rehab for when someone who has just been entitled and abusive and awful says, I'm going to rehab and I'll come out a completely different person. Everybody at the same time is like, yeah, right. You know, <laughs> this is I don't think that, that that kind of skepticism is useful because we've seen it. We've seen the playbook get used and then fall apart. And now it's so obviously connected to a massive investment from an enormous corporate entity that you just, of course, we're going to be cynical about it. And it's, you know, and this is like, this is a situation where there are, there are people who are being like potentially being legitimately harmed. People who have, you know, incredibly sketchy situations that seem to be happening. There are vulnerable individuals who are like, under the sway of someone who at the moment is hanging out at their mom's house in Vermont, sporting a snidely whiplash mustache. Like, like that. I don't know why some- <laughs> for me, the photos of the mustache just kicked everything up another level where I was like, this is the facial hair you have when you are in the final phase of your dangerous cult. <laughs> 
yeah, it does have, it does give very strong that, you know, it's like a combination of that. And I plan to tie someone to the railroad tracks. (laughs) (laughs) Really leaning into the whole villain narrative. But so moving on from that, but also kind of related and you'll see why in a second. Um, Did you get to see the Bones and All trailer? Oh, I did. So I'm so hyped for this movie because, um, you know, Luca, we're, we're, I at least am a huge fan of um, Luca Guadagnino and his filmography. I love horror. And, you know, obviously Meredith loves horror as well. Cast is stacked. Um, so I'm very excited about it. Um, but the reason I wanted to talk about it is... Um, so I guess, well, let me just say this. So, uh, sorry. Do, do, do. So <laughs> what I keep forgetting about this fucking movie is obviously, you know, Timothy Chalamet, Taylor Russell are like the big two young stars of it. I keep fucking forgetting that Mark Rylance is in it. Michael Stuhlbarg and Chloe uh, Sevigny. And I'm like, oh my God, it's like every fucking indie darling is in this film where I don't know if you've read the plot synopsis or know anything about the book, but it sounds like deeply fucked up in a way that like makes me very excited because <laughs> I'm like, Ooh, this is like a very, very dark story. Um, and yeah. I'm interested by it because Luca's such a beautiful, like a visual, beautiful storyteller that listen, I know it's going to be art house horror shit, but that is like so extremely my jam that I'm hyped. I'm hyped. Well, and, and there's a difference between this and some of the other like elevated horror, you know, it has like a different vibe. It's weird. It does. It does like the, the general premise left me with questions about how, it could even be adapted. So I'm curious since I could see him bringing something kind of left field and making it work really well. Yeah. That's what I'm interested in. I'm like, I know he's going to put some weird Luca spin on all of this. I'm very uh, intrigued by it. I know it's going to debut at Venice, which is coming up at the end of this month. There's a, there's going to be a bunch of really dope films dropping at the Venice film festival. So watch for that. But the reason I wanted to bring this up and I I said that (laughs) reminded me of this, I was texting Meredith and I was, you know, bitching about (laughs) how people on the internet are always looking for conspiracy theories and they think everybody in Hollywood's in the Illuminati. They're all secret perverts, blah, 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 blah. So, and I'm, talking about this because the house of hammer trailer had come out which is all about army hammer's incredibly fucked up family and um you know the the allegations of abuse against him and the really fucked up text messages he sent a bunch of women that he had had sexual relationships with and they alleged that he had either abused them or been psychologically manipulative or uh, had raped them, you know, or a combination of those things. So very serious allegations. Um, But that trailer had dropped and I was like talking to Meredith because people had expressed the fact that it is odd that Timothy Chalamet and Luca Guadagnino, who had both watched Uh, both worked on Call Me By Your Name with Army Hammer would then go on to make a film about cannibalism when those were, you know, some of the allegations, you know, Army Hammer had sent this text to one of the women he had been seeing saying, I like the way he phrased it was like, I am literally a cannibal. Like he was like, I'm not saying this figuratively. I am a cannibal. 
And yeah, he's like, I want to eat you. I want to eat you. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. So people were like, oh, it, it must be like a conspiracy, right? They must have been like inspired by what happened. And what I was saying to Meredith was, I'm like, it's so stupid because it takes so long to get a film made. They must have been talking about Bones and All for years, you know? So like that wasn't the timeline. It wasn't that all of the cannibalism allegations came out about Army Hammer and then they did Bones and All. They had already done the work on Bones and All and then those allegations came out. Um, or they had like laid the foundation and then they went to go actually shoot the film. Um, so I'm like bitching about this to Meredith, how everybody's stupid and everybody's a conspiracy theorist. And the House of Hammer trailer and, had come out. And then. And, and then, then the, the very same day, the Bones and All, All trailer drops. Timothy Chalamet is on Twitter going, Bones, 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 Bonesy, Bonesy, Bones. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, is it all a conspiracy? <laughs> <laughs> are they all in on it together? I mean, they're not, but I was like, Jesus Christ. The reason they did that is it was Luca's birthday. So they wanted to, Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. So they wanted to drop the, and I, they probably didn't know the house of hammer trailer was coming out. So, but it's like one fucking wild coincidence after another to the point where I'm like, you know what? I get why people think this is a conspiracy. I, I still don't think it is. I think it's like one wild coincidence after another, but Jesus Christ, the timing of that. <laughs> I mean, it was really funny to watch you have that reaction. I had a full on because meanwhile, that man had not tweeted for like a year. Like he's never on Twitter. He chooses this day, which again, it's Luca's birthday. So I know why he was doing it. But like, what are the fucking odds of that? I mean, this is why you are thinking of like, this is your brain is broken. We can say I'm I'm so broken. Uh, Yeah, it's fine. It's not even an insult. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and so that's really what's going on here because you, you know, you've got all of the different, you know, post hoc, ergo propter hoc, like, you know, confirmation bias stuff happening. So I understand it, but it is, yeah, we can, we can just appreciate that the thing that made you of all the things that made you start shouting, what does it mean? I like was I Timothy Chalamet tweeting. freaked out. Cause I was just talking, I was like mid conversation with you and he did that. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, what? Because here's the thing. Here is the fucked up reality of the situation. I do believe it was a coincidence, but it kind of helps promote their film. You mm-hmm. know, like there's a lot more interest because everybody's like, what the fuck? This film is about cannibalism. And they used to work with Army Hammer. Like people are sort of interested in it. I know that's deeply fucked up because we have to remember the most serious allegations against Army Hammer that he fucking raped women. And that's what we should be focusing on. But obviously, like, the salaciousness of cannibalism accusations. Like, when do we get that in a celebrity scandal? I would say it's never. Tr- <laughs> I, it's this is a first. Much never. Yeah, this is a first. So that's why people are really latched onto it. But unfortunately, it does also boost interest <laughs> in Bones and all because it's fucking weird. Oh, God. Uh, Hollywood is trash. Everyone's right to say Hollywood is trash. Oh, yeah. Terrible people everywhere. Terrible. But, Everybody's awful. Yeah. Also, if they want to make uh, something based on a, you know, that's another cannibal story, they should be fine. You know, they should be putting money into adapting A Certain Hunger by Chelsea G. Summers. I would just support that 100%. I would be there opening day. I would hope I'd get invited to the premiere, but, you know. Mm, I mean, maybe I could see if I could hook that up for you if 
it ever gets made. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it should. I love that book. Um, if you haven't read it, you should check it out. A Certain Hunger. Um, so we can move on. I just had to rant about that because I couldn't fucking believe it was happening to me in my life. It's all about me, guys. Uh, I briefly want to talk about Bodies, Bodies, Bodies because I uh, got to go to the premiere, uh, the A24 premiere. I took uh, Charles and it was cool because it was um, an outdoor premiere. So we were watching it in the park and um, we were sitting with the cast's family. So that was adorable. And thank God I actually liked the movie. So I didn't have to <laughs> fake any of my reactions. But uh, basically, I won't give away any of the plot details because I really encourage everybody to go see it. It's a fun fucking time. It's sort of like a sexy Gen Z clue is how I've been describing it to people. And my main takeaways from it are that Rachel Sennett and Amanda Stenberg are fucking stars. They're so fun to watch. Um, And that Lee Pace is the largest human being who's ever lived. And as always, Pete Davidson, surprisingly pleasant. I I enjoyed him (laughs) in this. And I know he's real divisive and some people do not get it. And every time I see him, I am embarrassingly charmed by him because that's what he does. Um, And yeah, it's really funny and well-written and it's really beautifully shot. Um, It's directed by Helena Rain. Uh, I don't know if that's how you pronounce her name, but she's a really dope filmmaker. She was there as well. And yeah, I, I highly recommend Buddies, Buddies, Buddies. Oh, I mean, I'm excited. I still haven't, haven't gotten to it, but I will I'm be shocked you haven't it, seen obviously. it yet. I've been busy, okay? It's I been, know, but you I were pumped. You were pumped along with me. It's, yeah, it, it's okay, though. You know, we'll be all right. You'll see it eventually. <laughs> so what I wanted to get to that we both have seen, do you want to talk about Sandman first or do you want to talk about Prey? Uh, let's talk about Sandman first, because I feel like we might never stop talking about Prey if we start doing it first. That's a good point. So I have to admit right out the gate in terms of Sandman, I have never read the graphic novel. Have you? Uh, yes, I read it when I was a kid. Okay, great. So you can at least get us some uh, nerd credit. Because, <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I it really... It's been a long time, but I, I, really like, I was definitely... Yeah, I really like Neil Gaiman. I read American Gods, but yeah, I never... For, I, and I don't know why, because it's so extremely my jam, but never got around to it. And so I'm coming into it completely new. I didn't know anything about the story. Like, I knew it was about the Sandman, but <laughs> I didn't know, like anything about the plot or the characters beyond that. And overall impressions, I was hugely surprised by how much I enjoyed it. I know that they had been attempting to make the Sandman for like decades. And there had been a lot of drama in terms of who owned the rights. Joseph Gordon-Levitt had it for a while. Thank God didn't do anything with it. No offense, no offense to Jogo, but I'm really, really glad he didn't try to go it alone. (laughs) Like I feel like that could have been a hot mess. Um, yeah. But, and then, you know, hearing that Netflix had it, you're thinking, what is the quality going to be with the special effects and stuff like that? I thought it looked really, really good. Did it look as good as like a $300 million or whatever the fuck film would look? No. But in terms of, you know, a series on Netflix, I thought it was really top shelf shit. 
Yeah, I I thought it looked beautiful. I thought it did a really good job of recreating some of the illustrations from the comic books. I mean, I thought they used the effects for the, um, you know, for traveling to, through different realms, like in a way that, well, it was better than some actual movies in terms of it, like the CGI actually looked decent, which pleased me. Um, and I thought, you know, I'm glad they didn't make it into a movie because there is so much story there. I like the idea of being able to have more, you know, parts of the story, if you know, or parts, different stories being told. Uh, and I just felt so comforted by a return to the, the perfect sad boy energy <laughs> that the character brings. Like, yeah, but it, like it's so specific. Like it, it almost felt, it's like, it felt anachronistic because like, it's a, it's from like the late eighties and early nineties. So of course it's more like you're thinking Peter Murphy from Bauhaus or like, you know, that kind you know, eighties punks instead of like what we now know is like, or with emo kids and everything. So it just gave me so much pleasure to see this like version of the hot pale guy who wasn't, I don't know, didn't have big theater kid energy. Yeah. And from what I've heard from how or what they've changed in terms of uh, the comic book versus the Netflix series is and I'm really glad that Neil Gaiman was open to these changes. But obviously they uh, gender and race swapped a few characters to make it more diverse, which I thought was a good call. Um, But they also made it like a kinder story which i really appreciated apparently the graphic novel is um incredibly violent incredibly nihilistic in parts and they decided to just have a kinder approach in the series which listen i think we're all a little frail emotionally and mentally right now so i was glad they made that call um and i have to say like i think part of the reason i enjoyed Tom Sturge's uh, dream character and that portrayal is that he was so balanced with the other characters in the show. Like, I have to give it up for Kirby Hal Baptiste as death. Like, that is like oh, one of my favorite. <laughs> yeah, that was one of my favorite portrayals of any character ever. <laughs> like, I was just like completely mesmerized by her performance she's such a warm presence and she's playing death which you can imagine is a little like um you know uh, <laughs> a little dissonance but um yeah like her interacting with him made me like him so much more because she loves him and is worried about him and suddenly i was like oh i i like dream i i was sort of indifferent about dream before but if death loves dream i love dream you know yeah, well, it, it really is, like, the way that the character operates, like, you can see why it would be tough to actually, you know, get any sort of sense of interiority or a sense of motivation, because his whole thing is, like, I'm an, I'm endless, I'm immortal, and I'm very, very sad. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and, like, that could get really, really... Yeah, that could get really annoying because as you were saying, like, you know, he might not be giving off theater kid energy, but he's giving off like sad white boy energy, which in the year 2022, a lot of us are like, yawn, I don't care, you know? Um, yeah. 
But and you just want to see, like, it's hard to get behind somebody's motivations. It's like, okay, so I know that we've been told this is what you're you're looking to do, but mm. this, like, I don't feel like there's that that much urgency. Um, no, and the thing and I that, think like, some of that got sanded off in, and so it's good to see that through other relationships, he was able to create a good, decent character there too. I thought they did a good job of sort of infusing the motivation <laughs> as. He is just a really prideful person because at first I was like, why would an endless, right? An immortal being care about losing a hundred years, right? Because like, Mm -hmm. I know it completely fucked his kingdom and, you know, um, led to a bunch of havoc, but he, he at one point is just like, you took time for me. And I'm like, why would an endless care about that? But I thought they did a good job of like when we meet Dream in the beginning, he is this very haughty prince, you know, like he or he's a king, I guess. But he has an ego on him and um, is not a pleasant, quote unquote, person, you know. So I thought that was believable. I was sort of like, okay, I would see why this guy would hold a grudge, even if time doesn't really mean anything to him. Yeah, I think that that's. That's a good way of putting it. I mean, what, and so what, but also the storylines, I mean, what made it good is there are some really wonderful episodes that are. Episode five, baby. Yeah. Episodes five and six are really, really beautifully done. Like five is probably the darkest the series gets. And apparently in, you know this obviously, but in the graphic novel (laughs) that diner storyline is like horrifically violent and they've they really really toned it down for the series but i think like you know they still they still made their point i didn't need to see like people get shot in the face for uh, yeah (laughs) that point to be made but we won't give away like any major spoilers but i would say just as a piece of advice if you're watching it and you're not immediately like hardcore into it at least get to episode five and six. Cause to me that show kicks into like high gear episode five and then six, every episode after that is better than the last. Yeah, I, w- I definitely agree. And I, you know, no spoilers, but it was, if you like fantasy television, there's a lot to recommend it. It's also the cast is absolutely stacked outside of Kirby Hell, Baptiste and Tom Sturridge. Like, uh Jenna Coleman who played uh um Clara in Doctor Who you've got uh David Thewlis like one of Britain's greatest actors King shit and And he like get to episode five because he is incredible (laughs) yeah you're gonna be like oh yeah I know you know it's like he did seem kind of wasted in Wonder Woman. And now you get to, if you watch him in this, right. you're be like, oh, right, this, this is, this is good, good shit. I also have to give it up for Boyd Holbrook as the Corinthian. I thought he was great. Although I, I will drop this thought grenade as I did, <laughs> did to Meredith. I thought Tom Stur- Sturridge and Boyd did a great job. But consider, if you would, for a moment, if we had Ben Wishaw as Dream. And we had Timothy Oliphant as the Corinthian. And I just responded with, you know, basically the the meme of, what is it? Somebody slapping Batman? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
about your face. <laughs> yeah. Like, don't think about it too long because it would be so much better. But like, I think Ben Wishaw would have added layers upon layers to the performance of Dream. And we absolutely would have been like, shattered for him when he was in prison for a hundred years. But having said that, um, you know, that's a budget thing. I don't know if they could have afforded Ben Wishaw and Timothy Oliphant. So they got Tom Sturridge and Boyd Holbrook and they did a great job. But once I had that, I like was having uncanny Valley shit happen with Boyd because he sounds like Timothy Oliphant. And then I, my brain kept being like, but it's not. And I was like, all right. (laughs) Well, I mean, fun fact, Boyd Holbrook is actually from Kentucky. And so you're thinking about Timothy Oliphant, yes. but playing Railing Pivots. <laughs> right, exactly. There's, there's, again, my brain is broken. We've been over this. So that's those are all the things happening in my brain. But that's like such a bitchy, nitpicky thing. Rosie! Um, but yeah, I wanted to like shout out Lucien, the character of Lucien, played by Vivian um, Achapong. So sorry. I'm 100% sure that's not how you pronounce her name. She's amazing in this. I was a little taken out of it with Patton Oswalt playing Matthew the Raven. Not a fan. And unfortunately, like, that's just kind of, I feel like Patton Oswalt has some sort of contract that says that he gets to be in all of these things because <laughs> he's been such a faithful nerd for so long. Yeah, so I think he's just, just like, so in yeah. that world that, and also like, it does get you a lot of publicity when you get to say Patton Oswald is doing a vo- and like by the way, like I think Patton Oswald has a marvelous voice. I thought he did a good job. It's just that it he's so recognizable that every time Matthew spoke, I was like, that's Patton Oswald doing a voice. And I wish they had just given it to some amazing no-name character actor who would have absolutely crushed it. And I could have just looked at Matthew the Raven and been like, that's Matthew the Raven, not Patton Oswald. <laughs> Yeah, I do. I agree. Because I think like, I've seen people complaining, like sometimes it's just distracting when people with recognizable voices do voice acting because I agree. The anonymity of it, the relative anonymity for for really good voice actors, like provides an opportunity to really do great characterization as opposed to just saying like, oh, right, it's the Patton Oswalt guest star. Right. And I mean, to their credit, there were a lot of great character actors in this series who I did not know personally. Um, Vanessa Sam, uh, Samonier, Samonier, mm-hmm. uh, who plays Rose Walker was not familiar. Uh, she did a wonderful job. So there were people like, you know, Mason Alexander Park played Desire who were not household names before. So I'm glad they're giving them the chance to do this. I thought Gwendolyn Christie was great as Lucifer. I want to find whoever styled her and have a long conversation with them though. <laughs> Because I'm sorry. I know. The devil should come to slay in every scene. And we first see her. And by the way, Gwendolyn Christie is beautiful. And she has legs that go on for days. And I'm like, you could have styled her in a fierce outfit. The first time we see her, she's like in this cheap white choir robe. And they have styled her hair to, I guess, look like horns on her forehead. But it looks so cheap and tacky. And then, like, eventually there's a battle sequence where she's in, like, a leather getup that's a little more fierce. And I was like, okay, okay, like, let's go in that direction because she looks so incredible when you put her in the right costume. Um, But that was a little let down because I was like, oh, can you imagine if they had her, like, in some 
fierce eight inch heel boots or something like just absolutely coming to step on you? Oh, I mean, I think it would be absolutely wonderful. and I would kill for that. But I also, you know, it's, it's so frustrating because like people just don't know what to do. You're right though, that when you want Lucifer to be special, you know, like grand. Yeah. Yeah. They're the morning star for Christ's sake. Like they should should be like, Right. I loved what she was doing with, she was almost doing this like fake warmth HR shit where like she is trying to like, when Dream first shows up uh, to hell and she's greeting him, she's like trying to almost be pleasant, but it comes out as so creepy. <laughs> like I really like that approach because she wasn't trying to be like overtly evil. You know, it was almost more evil because she was trying to be nice. And I was like, Ooh, this is really cool. <laughs> so I approve. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and she's great. Yeah. I, I don't have too much to say cause I don't want to give away any spoilers, but they've obviously set us up for a season two. It appears to be doing well in terms of international ratings. So I'm hopeful that we'll get a second season. I would love to see these characters again. So I highly, highly recommend Sandman. Yeah, I agree. And I don't have anything else because I don't want to spoil it. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, but it was, I had a great time watching it and it was really worth just like sitting down and binging through it. So let's get into our conversation about Prey. This is directed by Dan Trachenberg. Wow. Dan Trachenberg, um, who he directed Cloverfield, right? 10 Cloverfield Road. 10 Cloverfield Road, yeah. Um, Which is a great film. Um, But it's a predator origin story, which I have been recommending this film to everyone who is unfortunate enough to have been in the same room as me (laughs) recently. (laughs) I will not shut the fuck up about this film. And what I emphasize to people, because when I recommend it, what everyone asks is, do I need to have seen the other Predator films? And I'm like, Uh, no. no. (laughs) Not only do you not need to have seen them, I've never seen a Predator film. I'm not a Predator fan. It's just not that I'm like anti-Predator. It was just not my thing when I was a kid. Never had any interest in seeing them. Never saw them. You don't need to have seen any of the Predator. I guess, like, all you have to know is that Predator is an alien who uh, can be invisible. Like, that's his whole... Yeah. Gig. But you don't even really need to know that because the whole thing is, like, okay, you're watching it. So they wanted to... They assume you'll know these things, but it's not as if you actually need to know what's going on. You get it pretty quickly through the sound effects and then the visual effects. Right. So this is the story of Predator coming to Earth 300 years ago and his interactions with the natural world and like the animals who live in nature and also uh, a Comanche nation tribe um, and the warriors who go out to kill him. Um, and it's getting a lot of attention because it fucking rules. Spoiler, it fucking rules. I loved it so much. But they also cast all um, native actors. So Amber Midthunder plays Nehru. Uh, Dakota Beavers plays Tabe, her brother. And they're sort of our leads. Uh, there's an adorable dog <laughs> yep. who I am a huge fan of. 
But it's getting a lot of attention because I think it's the first film ever to be released dubbed in Comanche. So you can watch it in the Comanche language. I should say it was written by two white guys, but they appear to, it was written by uh, Patrick Asen and Jim Thomas, but they, um, or Jim Thomas did the original, whatever, uh, written by white guys, but they appear to have really gone out of their way to consult with um, Native people about like what they were doing and how they were telling this story. And they seem to have really gone out of their way to be culturally sensitive and in, as inclusive as they could be as white guys, you know? Um, yeah. Well, yeah. And one of the, uh, there was a, uh, one of the producers was, I believe, a member of the Comanche tribe. They like found a lot of actors that was like first roles, period. Um, Dakota Beavers, who plays uh, Naru's uh, Tabe. brother. Yeah. Oh my God. Uh, Very hot. Extremely hot. Very hot. Extremely hot. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just kept texting but, Meredith, like, the hot brother's doing this, the hot brother's doing that. Yeah. It was great. I I loved it. And I mean, like, here's here's what it breaks down to. The movie fucking rules. The it action rules. is great. There are <laughs> it is it is beautifully shot. The like it's like the violence is like crazy and frenetic, but it's Chef's well guess. choreographed. You can see it beautifully. Uh it, it does that thing where your protagonist is smart and not that she's like a Mary Sue like she when we first meet Nero she really wants to be a warrior but she fucks up you know like we see her fall we see her uh fail and that actually makes us root for her that much more so like but she's an extremely smart capable character and it's so satisfying to like watch people who because the thing is like people with automatic weapons couldn't kill predator right so watching people who have like bows and arrows and spears tried to kill predator i was like so afraid for them the whole time because i was like oh my god you're trying to take out this alien who has like far far more sophisticated weaponry than you how are they going to do this and they do it in like you know such a believable way that it was like really enormously satisfying to watch and they also do this thing that i love when action films do this which is you have a baddie, right? You have Predator. And you put him in a situation where he temporarily becomes the good guy. (laughs) (laughs) When you have Predator versus, uh, you know, fur trappers. French fur trappers. Evil French fur trappers. Suddenly you're like, am I running for Predator? And you kind of are temporarily. And then, of course, you go back to, oh, he's a baddie and he's trying to kill our favorite characters and we want them to win. But I love that they give us this little moment where we're like, yeah, Predator, smoke them all, you know? (laughs) Well, that we can have, uh, that it becomes not just an opportunity to watch Predator, like, kill some French guys. um, But it, like, the process of watching that becomes an opportunity for the characters, like our actual protagonists, to learn more about how to fight him you know yes so it's yeah. like there's actually a point there's yes it's like emotionally satisfying because they suck but it's also like intellectually satisfying because it's not 
totally gratuitous. A hundred percent. And somebody else pointed this out. It's one of the only films I can think of where they don't dub the French guys in a way that is usually done to native people. Because like when we watch a film, you know, they'll dub French, they'll dub Italian. But when native people are speaking, it's sort of like, um, oh, this is a really barbaric language. You don't know what you don't need to know what they're saying. You know, it's sort of like cast aside like that. And this film does the inverse where we know what the indigenous people are saying always. And the French guys are just like babbling. (laughs) And I, I would really like to see this happen more. We talked about how that not subtitling the Romanian in the movie watcher was a really useful tool to help us like relate to the protagonist in that film we don't actually need to know what a lot of people are saying in certain movies. Like you just like just being able to know that they're like the other. Right. And you can figure stuff out with context. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And yeah. And do you want to watch predator fight a bear? Cause that fucking happens guys. And it's unbelievable. I do wish I had had the opportunity to see this in a theater with a bunch of people. Cause I think that would have been fucking nuts. Oh, yeah. It is criminal that this movie went straight to streaming, given that it was immediately became their like most watched premiere of any film or television on Hulu. And it's like the number one stream thing in like most of South America. And it seems to it continues to be getting like great reactions. Uh, Basically, everyone has joined hands to smack down the tiny boys who seem to think that there's a problem like it's unrealistic that a woman would take down the predator. Oh, there's uh, always there's always those guys. And more I know. and more I'm like, should we talk about them? But also it's that thing where like I hate I think it's when okay people to, yeah. I hate when people comment where they're like, if you ignore them, they'll go away. It's like that's absolutely not true. Because Well and yeah. What I think is nice here is that it's fine to acknowledge that they said it because you know, the movie is so good that there is literally nothing for them to stand on. Right. Also they're pointing out that they are completely ignorant to the, like a grand tradition that's 40 years old, like 40 odd years old. Final girl, final girl. Hello. Like, did you like, have you seen alien? Pretty sure that was a chick. Final girl. Terminator also a chick. And she was a waitress in Southern California in that movie. Yeah. Like, come on guys. We are like this, this has happened in the past. I uh, would put like in the pantheon of final girls, I would put Nehru up there automatically. No questions asked. Oh, yeah. 100%. Uh, I've told so many people to watch it. I think it's just so fun. It's so exciting. I recognize that it's probably not going to actually end up ever street like going to a theater even though it's really ridiculous i like i'm wondering i I know hulu deeply regrets not putting it into theaters but like i am wondering if they could kind of do a late game distribution deal and get it into theaters but maybe i have i mean i have questions about how the movie was financed and whether that impacts if it could even have a streaming release right because there are certain things where like I want to say HBO there have there have been deals where like things will go to they like end up having to dump it on streaming because if they played it in a theatrical release then it wouldn't be able to stream on any of their platforms 
like if it's a if there are like two studios that have worked on it, then it was one of those things that came up during the HBO Warner Brothers merger. Certain qu- movies that were like suddenly only playing on one, but not having a release. Mm. Um, but I also like it. Just seems like they could probably still make a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and you'd think that they would want to make a lot of money. I right? think that's like their like, favorite thing to do. <laughs> I think they love yeah. making money. Yeah. It was clear like that they already I, know people did it. <laughs> yeah. Like what kind of sucks is they clearly didn't have a lot of faith in this, which is, I don't know. Like that makes me wonder about Hulu. Cause I'm like, did you see it? <laughs> did you watch it? <laughs> Cause it's fucking awesome. Like, and I don't think you would have to be that sophisticated of a thinker to be like, Oh, tons of people would really like to see this. It's so fun. Um, oh yeah, yeah. They really, they I really fucked see the up. Predator fight a bear on a big screen. Come that, on, like, that's what I'm wondering. Like, if maybe there could be a second wave of this, where whatever the original deal was, sure, like Hulu got the first offer, whatever. But now that it's clear that it could be huge, can we do like a second release where we get it in theaters? <laughs> yeah, and I make mean, a lot more money. That. Make a lot more money. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well. I- <laughs> There's something so good about movies that recognize what they're trying to do and then just do it competently. I know that is the world's most uh, most banal like statement, but it's also one that is so rare, especially when you're talking about franchises and and rebooted IP. Like this is easily the best one since the first one, and like given that the first one is sort of ridiculous in 1980s, I probably like think I like pray better uh so seeing a movie actually just work having no concerns about like oh well it was you know there's nobody fighting over how it hues to the comic books or like some character doing you know some element of their story being changed or something like that just having like okay guys there's a girl and she fights the predator with a bow and arrow and an axe on a rope Oh, I love that axe so much. That's one of my favorite. I love when our hero has like a very unique weapon and, you know, all the credit to Amber Mid Thunder and whatever stunt coordinators and stunt doubles were involved. But that weapon was so fucking cool. And this film, of course, has my favorite thing ever, which is competency porn, where it's just like Nehru's smart and we get to see Nehru be smart. And it's so satisfying. And as you said, like outsmart, outfight Predator with an axe and a bow and arrow, which is like, how, how is she going to do it? And then she fucking does it in a satisfying way. Um, And also, I do want to offer just one spoiler because I think it's important and it is the kind of thing that I think our listeners would want to know. The dog does live. Yes. I think that's a hugely important point. I was so scared the whole time and I... I don't think it'll diminish anything for people to know that. In fact, I think you'll be able to enjoy it more because the dog is so fucking cute. I was so afraid for this dog the whole time. The dog lives, everybody. The dog makes it. Of all of the things in the world where I'm very concerned about spoilers, I do firmly believe that it is okay to reveal whether a pet survives because I think it can be incredibly difficult for me to enjoy 
uh, it's even harder for me to enjoy a movie if I'm worried about an animal than if I'm worried about a specific human character. I'm going to uh, does the dog die right now to see if Prey's on here. It is. Hold (laughs) on. Hold on. (laughs) Because this is very important, I feel. Um, Oh, what happened in this? Oh, there it is. It's number one on their website where they're like, you're probably wondering this. Does the dog die? The main dog, Sari, gets its tail stuck in a trap early in the film, but lives throughout the story. Best dog, 10 out of 10. (laughs) (laughs) Although it's true. And fun fact about production, apparently the dog, which was adopted from a shelter in North Carolina uh, and was adopted specifically to be in the movie, absolute terror. Could not hit her Love mark. it. Love However, it. Diva. They loved her so much that they ended up putting in significantly more dog. Oh. Even with the frustrations of having to like deal with her being like a young, very energetic dog that was just so happy to be around people that she wasn't like acting. Yeah. Uh, they're still like, nope, we don't care. They, as I read an interview with, um, with the director where he was like, People keep saying, why wasn't there more dog? And he's like, you don't understand. Literally every usable shot of the dog <laughs> is in the movie. <laughs> I wonder who has her now. Uh, apparently, with, she's with a really nice family. Uh, I don't know exactly, who, but I, there was a post from the Humane Society where she had been adopted from, uh, talking about how excited they were for her. Aww. Uh, That's awesome. And she's beautiful. Also, she's such a beautiful yeah. dog. Um, so yeah, we highly recommend Prey as well. And that's it for today, everybody. That episode went very fast on my end, but yeah, I know, but I like being able to talk about stuff that is fun. To yeah, talk about. We have stuff nice. that we really adored. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. Please follow Meredith on the socials, Meredith L. Clark. Anything else you want to promote? Not at the moment, okay. but uh, I will keep it in mind for later. Please follow Light Treason News on Twitter, on Instagram, hashtag Light Treason Pod. You can follow me everywhere. It's just my name, Allison Kilkenny. As always, you can go to my Patreon, patreon.com slash Allison Kilkenny. For as little as $5 a month, you get all the bonus content over there. And you get to skip the line if you want to send questions, comments, recommendations, anything like that. Love to hear from you guys. And thanks for listening. And while you're at it, get out there and cause a little trouble.